You're listening to the Coach and Joe podcast, conversations on friendship with God. Welcome to the Coach and Joe broadcast. My name is Chad Norris, and today Blake Berg is sitting in for Joe because my intern is in Hawaii for three weeks, mm. and uh, I guess that's what you do. He, he's a uh, Minnesota kid, and I guess when you grow up in Minnesota, you vacation in Hawaii. We typically go to Myrtle Beach with all the other rednecks <laughs> within 300 miles. Not Joe. He goes to Hawaii for three weeks or Maui, wherever he is, but I'm here with Blake Berg. The one and only artist in residence, brilliant, looks like Yukon Cornelius. We want to jump in today, and I want to have a conversation that uh, jumps on the heels of staff meeting Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So staff meeting, Holy Spirit went berserk with some uh, just some awesome stuff. I want to talk about it. Let's go first to 1 Corinthians 14.1. So this is a podcast designed for one thing, how to help people walk in friendship with God. Our one word is friendship. It's what we eat, sleep, drink. We believe that we're on this earth to to connect with God, Elohim, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and also to connect with each other. And then this podcast is, well, how in the world do you walk in friendship with God? A lot, a lot of God's kids believe in him. They don't want to go to hell when they die. They want to go to heaven, spend forever with him. But we're obsessed with helping as many people as possible be good friends with him here, pre-Genesis 3, Walk in the garden, the cool of the day, that sort of thing. First Corinthians fourteen one is a look at what I think is a key to a level of friendship with the Father that's higher up on the mountain than than what a lot of people are currently experiencing, and that's this bizarre word called prophecy. So let me just read it. First Corinthians fourteen one: Pursue love, eagerly desire all the gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, Blake, me and you did not grow up around anything prophetic. We, no. we wouldn't have used that word prophecy. When I say the word prophesy, and all I'm doing is quoting Paul here, what what is that word? What What is this What is this concept? Uh, it's just hearing from the Father for others. It's just being, being his mouthpiece, listening to what he says, and passing that along to the people that he wants it passed along to. You realize how preposterous it is of what we're talking about. You're, you're saying that there is a God, Jehovah, he talks, we listen, we literally hear him. Yes, it's totally ridiculous and totally true. How do you hear him, Blake? Uh, I I always get pictures. So I'm a very visual person. Um, I've done arts most of my life, and so I'll I'll start to get pictures of things, and then they'll start to play out into kind of whole scenes from little movies, TV shows where I'm watching events unfold. There's a passage in John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. Notice the Lord doesn't say my sheep sense my presence. Mm-hmm. My sheep hear my voice. I think in order, if, if you have a desire to, to grow in the prophetic, one of the things you're going to have to do is build a, a hermeneutic, if you will, of what the Word says about it. You know, I'm all about going to these conferences and getting impartations from the great man or woman of God. I believe in all that. I think it's great. But the way that it worked for me is I got in the Word, specifically in the Gospel of John, and then I started studying the passages in 1 Corinthians, talking about the gifts, especially prophecy, and I built a, uh, a foundation of the Word, of what the Word says. 
remember when the Lord says, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what mm-hmm. the Father tells me to say. Jesus is the picture of, he, when he was here, he talked to God the way we do. Think about it this way. And this boggles my mind. I had a conversation with my nine-year-old son about this recently. When Jesus is at the woman at the well, when he's in, in that passage, how did he know that stuff about her? To me, it looks like he operated in the gifts of the Spirit, yeah, prophetically, the way we do. So we know the Lord's fully divine, but yet it seems to me that he operated by the gifts of the Spirit the way we are capable of. What if the Lord came here not just to take you to heaven when you die? What if he came here to give you a model of what friendship with God looks like? So John, uh, was it fourteen twelve? Any man believes in me do the same things I've done. Even greater things will he do because I'm going to be with the Father. Hang on a second. What did the Lord do? He walked in friendship with God. He was a picture of pre-Genesis 3. He could read people's minds. I've had some crazy things happen to me recently. I was in uh, Gig Harbor, Washington about 10 days ago prophesying over a businessman. A white angelic feather fell on the table in the natural in front of everyone, in front of the, the table of 10. Well, that doesn't seem weird to me anymore because I've gotten to a place on the mountain to where I don't even seek this stuff. I just want to hear his voice 10,000 times a day, and, and stuff starts manifesting. Uh, I've seen uh, recently a wind blow hard on people, angelic wind when I pray for them, higher level of words of knowledge. But here, here's the question today, though, Blake, and I want to hear from you on this. I'm not talking about is it possible. I'm talking about how does a person go from sort of kind of hearing him to hearing him so often that you're even in shock yourself at how clear you hear him and and. And I, this is where I want to piggyback off a staff meeting. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love earnestly, is the word in the Greek, earnestly desire all the gifts. Is it possible, Blake, that the reason we don't hear the voice of the Father more and the reason we don't walk in the prophetic is on our end, not his end? Yes. And I think it's a a two-step thing that gets there because first you have to even be willing to cross into that line of believing you can hear him. That's a line that I think a lot of people draw uh, in the sand when it comes to the Bible is they're good with everything from Genesis up to that part where it says we're supposed to be engaging a prophecy. And all of a sudden, that's too weird, and I'm not willing to go beyond that part, but everything else I'm good with. And so once you're willing to go into that part, then it really comes down to are you eagerly doing it? Are you earnestly doing it? Uh, I have three young boys, and they eagerly do everything they do. The other day they wanted to go to the pool and they eagerly desired going to the pool and I wanted to strangle all of them. And it really convicted me in staff meeting because I was thinking, gosh, when when was the last time my pursuit of the gifts, my pursuit of the Lord, my pursuit of prophecy, when when was I going after it so hard that it actually irritated the people around me that I just wouldn't stop pressing into trying to go after that? And I don't know if there's been a time where I've I've gone after it that hard. Well, and I don't bring this up to condemn you or condemn anyone else. And at staff meeting the other day, I wasn't trying to condemn anyone. I'm just simply looking at the Word. Yeah. And in James it says, um, I'm a re- rewarder of those who diligently seek me. And I'm just trying to be objective with what the word diligently means in that James passage, what the word earnestly means in 1 Corinthians 14.1. I'd rather follow God on His terms than mine. And the truth is, from the scriptures, I can prove that if you can go another day without growing in the prophetic, well, then you will. Mm-hmm. The major theme of the Old Testament, Jeremiah 29, you shall seek me and you shall find me 
when you seek me with all of your heart. You, you mentioned something at staff the other day because I, I just spent some time with Dr. Bruce Cook, global apostle, uh, lives in Seattle, uh, mentors apostles and prophets on all seven continents, been around for a long time, 65-year-old man who's written some incredible books. My wife and I flew out there to spend some time with him, receive a blessing, impartation prayer from him. And when I came back, the, the Holy Spirit showed me that it was time for me to, to bless the team with what was given to me from Dr. Cook. And I came to you and I said, what do you want from the Father? Mm-hmm. And you looked at me and you got emotional and you said, I just want what Adam had pre-Genesis 3 with hearing the Father yeah. in the cool of the day. Um, where'd that come from when I asked you that question? Just a, a, a deep desire of deep friendship. To know him, that I know him, that I know him, to not just know about him, to not have knowledge of him, um, to not just be able to represent him to other people, but to really have that inseparable bond, to literally be able to hear him rustling in the leaves behind me and to feel him as he comes up and stems beside me. Why do you want that? Because he's... He's the greatest prize. Like it's what it's what he made me for was to have that connection to him and it's taken me you know most of my life I think to figure out that actually that's what it is that I'm looking for is that and from that place it doesn't really matter what else goes on in my life anything else I mean the things things in the natural will would be taken care of by him um but more than that, it's the place for my heart to reside. Uh, it's the place where I finally find my mind and my soul and my heart connected instead of having a roadblock in them. I don't know if, if you grew up on Indiana Jones movies. Mm-hmm. I did. Did you? Yeah. Um, so we've been talking about paradox. I mean, you've been teaching through paradox at Bridgeway with the staff, developing core values. It's interesting to me because I already have the Father, right? Yep. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Uh, do you not know that you're a temple of God, the Spirit of God lives in you? I'm now the ark. His presence resides in me. And you could say, well, why are you going so hard after the Father? Don't you already have what you're looking for? Yeah, but that's only one side of the coin. Yeah. The other side of the coin is draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. Um. Here I am, 45 years old, flew out to Seattle, spent three days with an influential person in the kingdom, just went to London to film for TBM, a friendship with God, woke up this morning as hungry for him as I have been for a long time. And sometimes I ask, like, all right, why am I, where does this desire to go after someone who I already have come from? And God's been showing me it's it's paradoxical. What's he say in Proverbs 3? Uh, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the king's mm-hmm. purpose to to seek him out. There is there is a sense of hide and go seek with God. Now, if you if you only if you can't look at this through paradox, you could this could lead you down a bad path. Well, yes, I have him. My eternity's secure. But there's a part of the Father where he is still, like for me personally, I'm just speaking for me, not as a pastor or leader, just as his kid. He will, uh, you remember when your kids were little and you play hide and go seek and you, you, you let them know where you are in the vicinity yeah. and they come find you? I feel like I'm on the precipice of a relationship with him I've never had 
but I also know my role in going after that. Yeah. I think when you can, when your desire is friendship with him above your assignment or calling or influence, it becomes intoxicating. What was the Indiana Jones one where he was looking for the Holy Grail? Is that um, Last Crusade? And, and, and it's like he's just, he's on this hunt mm-hmm. for the object. Richard Foster calls God the great hound of heaven. Here's the paradox. He's hunting me down with lens of love to embrace me, prodigal son style. But he also, the other side of the coin, presents himself that I'm also hunting him down at the same time. The biggest metaphor in the Old Testament of God and Israel is just a love story. Yeah, It's a gigantic tug-of-war love story. And I here's what I'm realizing. I am most alive when I am in pursuit of him. If you're not careful in some charismatic theology, you'll say, well, you've already been given everything you need. I hear that. That's only one side of the coin. The truth is, Paul tells me in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, if I want to walk in prophecy above all the other gifts, by the way, if you go study that, then I better earnestly seek it. And that he's only a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There is something on this conversation as it relates to hunger. So let me ask you this question, and, and I want you to answer for you, not anyone else. Where does your hunger come from? And like, why are you hungry right now? Do you even know where, what is this deal with hunger? Who initiates hunger? I'm not sure I know the answer to this. I've been asking it for 10 years. I still don't know the answer. What are your, why are you hungry? Why are sometimes you not hungry? What makes you hungry for this? I think some of it is like, we've been designed that way. If we look at just our bodies in the natural, um, we naturally get hungry when we've depleted the resources that we have. Um, and there's a lot to do in the world that we're putting our hands to that are all demanding on our resources. And so we are going to get depleted. We do need to be refilled. Um, but there's different things that I can be hungry for. And so a carrot could... <laughs> refill my resources just as well as some cheese dip can, but I'm not always hungry for a carrot, but I could say I'm hungry for cheese dip. And so I think once you've, you know, there's a reason that he says to taste and see that the Lord is good. And once you taste and once you see, now you start to, not only is there the value of the way that you're filled, but there's actually pleasure in it. It's 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 interesting because, like, take my six trips to Haiti of leading teams in a climate where there's no soft beds, there's no air condition. I, my hunger gets so stirred when I go on these trips with Pastor Gary that I don't want to come back home. You're more satisfied in the hunger than you are in non-hunger stages. That's why I ask all the time. I ask the Father all the time, please don't ever let my hunger decrease. I'm not so sure that apathy is not the curse of the West. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to read this verse. Um, this is Psalm eighty four two. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. So, some people would say, "Well, my gosh, man, if you stay so desperate." Isn't that an indication that perhaps you don't realize what was given to you at the cross? I don't think so. I don't think so because I'm not yearning for my own righteousness. I am not trying to get him 
to accept me. I used to. Holy crap, I used to. I'm not trying to get him to uh, allow me to come into his presence. This is, it's two lovers. This is my, my son Sam going on a trip with me, and he's not begging me to like him. He's just stirred up because we get to be together. I took him to England last week. It's me and Ruthie in the same way, me and Jack. This this is not striving to gain something I don't already have. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's normal. for. I don't think it's possible to be good friends with him and not stay in a desperate stage. Yeah. And see, that's another play on words. Typically, desperation means I'm longing for something I don't have, and that's only one side of the coin. There's got to be more than what I currently experience from God. I mean, think about Jesus Christ. He spends all night praying for his disciples before he picks them. All night. Well, he's Jesus. He's fully divine. He has the ability to hear the Father. Why not just rest, quote-unquote, air quotes, and just figure it out in the morning? There's something where he is praying all night. I mean, where, where's that hunger at? I see it in the life of David. Mm-hmm. I see it in the life of Paul. Um, if this If this podcast only serves one purpose, to stir up people's hunger to be friends with him, I think we win. Yeah. I'm not so sure that's not our assignment to the end of Bridgeway's existence. Well, I do hope that today has blessed you and uh, pretty simple thoughts on how hungry are you. And if you're not hungry, ask the Father why. I heard uh, Bull, Sean Bowl say not too long ago, the Father's already always speaking. Are we always listening? I like that. The Word says, my sheep shall hear my voice. Father, for anyone who hears this podcast, wherever they are across the world, on an airplane, on a tractor, in an office, on a treadmill, eating, whatever, I ask that there would be a literal impartation of hunger. And whoever hears these words, they would find themselves so stirred to know you that the things of the world would lose their grip and they would even become bored at what used to excite them in the natural. May you be like Elijah. May you be a person who sees into the unseen realm more than the natural. And may you be starved for the realities that you already walk in. May you enjoy your royalty. May you be hungry to know the God of the universe. In Jesus' name, may this be so. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Coach and Joe. For more information and additional content, please visit bridgewaynetwork.org.